Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. What was so funny about that? <laughs> Your words got a little twisted I there. I had like 12 cups of coffee today. I'm a little bit uh, shaky here. Oh, I thought we'd stop for a Diet Coke on the way back to the office. <sighs> I can't deny that. That would be most <laughs> pleasurable. How are things in your world? Hey, you know, I, I was just saying I wanted to stay in bed today. It's gray and rainy. We don't get many days like that in Ohio. Kidding. We get them all the time. Uh, well, we've got a, uh, a wonderful guest lined up for today. And this is going to be a little bit different than normal. This is more of, as an entrepreneur, what would you like to get in your world to help you be a better entrepreneur? So we've got, I'd like to introduce our guest, Liz Branch, a fellow psycho in the accounting space. She is the COO of Accounting Fly, which is like a dating app for accountants and the companies that need them. She is also COO of A Going Concern, a company that is the TMZ of the accounting world, all the hot topics that are coming up. Um, Liz is an innovator, and her passion and commitment in to change the accounting profession is contagious. As soon as the AICPA and the rest of the accounting world received her message, accountants all over the world will have a new way to find their new career home. Thanks, Liz, for being on our show. No problem. Thanks for that intro. <laughs> you bet. It takes a lot to figure one of those out, but I love I it. I know. So Liz and I have had, you know, I've had the opportunity to chat with her, you know, multiple times over this past year, and I've just become a huge fan of hers. And I think, you know, our minds are alike in the regards to how we think and what we want to do. And, you know, we both are working moms and, you know, having to have a, you know, have these careers. And so we just really jived and I had this idea that I wanted to have her on the podcast because I think the brains behind some of the operations of those entrepreneurs, this position is just so important. And I also think she has entrepreneur tendencies. She just maybe hasn't, you know, made that leap. And it might be because she has three boys and, you know, she's doing all those fun things. But um, so I just wanted to invite her on to, ha to have this conversation. It's all only a matter of time for people make the leap. We just don't know when or how. And sometimes it's okay if you don't too. It's, you gotta, you, it's your own journey. You got to figure it out. Well, you, Julia has obviously talked with you before and spoken very highly of you. And uh, again, everything that you uh, do for us, we're very pleased with and we're happy that what you do. And so like I thought this was a good fit and you always like to try to start off the show and trying to get to know our guests a little bit and try to find some obscure facts and <coughs> things about them. And uh, I've done extensive research on this and uh, oh, on gosh. you. And, you know, all the uh, on the Facebook and everything and the Instagram, all the uh, college picks that were quite uh, interesting, they have been, uh, you know, dealt with a privacy. I couldn't view them. So I didn't know if you could comment on how you hit all those things from the general public. Well, being a mom <laughs> of kids, try to be, you know, a little bit private in that in that area. And um, But I do have LinkedIn. That's public. Um, that's where we kind of 
put all the the good glorious stuff that we do uh, from a professional standpoint. Sometimes I put some some uh, private stuff on there. So that's pretty. That's kind of how I, I try to balance it. You know, my background's marketing, so I think from doing social media for. 20 years, it kind of, you get to the point where you don't do much of it personally either. Well, he's just upset because he spent hours trying to look you up, you know, Elizabeth, Liz, like any, anything that could have, you could be hiding from him. And then, I, down. and then I said, well, maybe it's a maiden name. He, he's like, I can't well, find I can't anything. Either. Something I, scandalous. <laughs> We're looking for something to really, to break the ice really. But no, that's, that's good. And, and so ultimately I was forced to just deal with what you had on LinkedIn and, and a, apparently you know, right now it looks like you live uh, in Florida and on the Redneck Riviera. Is that a true statement? Is that where you're at? It's the greatest place on the planet, right? I, I do live on the Gulf Coast, right on the beach mm-hmm. um, in the 38 area. So it's a beautiful part of the, the estate and sugar white sands and blue water. Can't ask for anything better, right? Do you, do you ever spend any time at Shades Bar and Grill? I have. There you go. It's right around the corner. That's what I thought. It seemed like a seemed like my kind of place. Uh, and are you originally from Florida, and you just stayed there, or were you from originally? I'm originally from Pensacola, Florida, okay. so the western part of the Panhandle, and lived in Tampa, and we've lived here. So kind of stay on the Gulf Coast. That's where we're happy. Um, my husband and I like to be around the ocean, so that's where we've kind of figured out where we're going to live and has done his training. Um, so we've been all over. How about that? And it looks like you uh, eventually ended up at the University of West Florida in Picola, BA mm-hmm. in organization communications. What What is that? Uh, I, I always say it's it's the degree that makes you a consultant to, to businesses and communications and, and uh, finding the holes and the fixes and the solutions for businesses. So it was a perfect degree. I think my first degree, my first choice was how many times do we switch uh, your degree? Oh. <laughs> I think my first one was I- IT and my IT uh, professor goes, Liz, you're, you're good at this, but I think you're just too extroverted. I think you need to go talk to the communications department. And so that's where I kind of found my, my home and what I continue to do to this day, you know, that's kind of what my job is. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, I can't, that was probably, you owe a lot to that professor, just getting you I out did. of something where you really found who you really were. Um, did you always, when you grew up, did you, um, when you grew up, do you have siblings and you grew up in both parents, were they uh, entrepreneurs? Would they work for the work for a living at real jobs or what do they do? Yeah, my dad was an entrepreneur. He um, had a financial uh, business. Uh, he helped with stocks and bonds um, for government entities and cities and states. So grew up, grew up with a checkbook at six years old and learned how to nice. deposit checks. And uh, we had a Sunday board meet- family board meeting that we would check our check registry. So it was learned at a very uh, early age, the importance of that piece. And my mom was a dental hygienist, retired now, both of them are retired now. And then I have an older brother, um, he works in the mental health care uh, area, so very um, loves all people. Again, we're we're fixers, so <laughs> that's well, kind of our family. Well, I got to tell you, I got a tear in my eye that doing accounting at age six—that is just fantastic. <laughs> so now I know why you're in this space. Like, how could you not be in this space? Yes. Uh, so it's it's funny how you people end up where they end up, and on your journey to be where you were literally. 
I, from what I gather, talking with Julie and seeing what you do, is like you basically run these companies. I mean, you're the one that kind of makes makes the sauce, makes things happen. How did you decide that you wanted to be at that level as a company where you kind of are, it seems like you kind of can make decisions, just do what you want. You get quick answers. You don't have to go to a board and deal with that at big corporate America. You're kind of like at the best of both worlds. You're in a, a smaller company where you have a say Maybe you don't have your, maybe you're not financially liable for things, but you are principally liable for everything. And that's a pretty, mm-hmm. a cool place to be in. How did you end up with that? Uh, well, um, it was a journey, that's for sure. So my husband's an orthopedic surgeon. And so there's a lot of training that goes along with that, with medical school and residency. So when we left Pensacola for him to start his residency in orthopedics, we had to move to Tampa, which means I left my job of seven years in the hospital system in Pensacola that I loved and moved to Tampa and was trying to find my way. Of, what am I going to do? Um, and a couple of my friends, two of them from co- three of them from college and then one of them from post-college started accounting fly. And they were like, hey, Liz, what are you doing in Tampa? Um you know, do you want to kind of work remotely? And I'm like, Hey guys, that would be great. You know, let's see what this goes. You know, it was kind of new, uh, newer, um, kind of figuring out their own legs of what accounting fly was going to be when they grew up. Um, and so I started and I've kind of done sales. I've done marketing, the marketing director, I've done the content and then, um, just been promoted to the CEO, COO of both sides of our, uh, company, And it's kind of a right brain, left brain for me, because going concern, you got more of the creativity there, working with our managing editor, Adrian, on the accounting side, a little more technical, talking to uh, CPAs um, and partners and CAOs all day long. So it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds, how I ended up here. Never in my life would I think that I would end up in the accounting area, but here I am and I love it and love our clients and course you guys are one of our clients so it's fun i like to talk to people and again figure out hey what's not working what's not working in your company and let's see if we have a solution for it i gotta tell you the there, i can think of nothing better to do all day than talk to accountants and uh, not only companies that need accounts that have no idea what they really need and accountants that are great at communicating that have no idea what they want to actually do for a living and who they want to work for sounds awesome I, I don't know how you do that every day. That That's impressive. But I think that's where her communication marketing right. degree right. comes in is she has figured out, you know, her and I've had like you have to figure out how to communicate to each person for them to understand what they need or what they want because they don't necessarily know, but they always want it to be their idea, ironically. And so I think she's mastered that skill of being able to pull out of people and get people to think in a different way when she talks to them. Would I, and I, I'm going to guess that the old days, you're just like matching up an account with a firm because they just need a task, but now it's way different than that today, probably. It's more mm-hmm. about lifestyle expectations, what they're looking for, trying to be more niche specific. And, you know, again, the whole working from home thing and remotely, I bet that all is a big factor now where that probably didn't exist five years ago. Well, since I've been with Accounting Fly, we have always hired remote and that's always been our focus Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic. We were, uh, I've heard our our co-founder, Jeff, tell the stories of when they first hired and started talking about remote workplace in the accounting area, people thought he was crazy. Like this can't work. They have to be in the office. 
Um, and he's like, this is where it's going. You know, I'm telling you. And as the cloud accounting firm started to form and develop and, and get, um, you know, clients and stuff like that, they kind of gravitated towards Jeff and kind of his talk, uh, you know, thought and vision of like what the accounting fly um, company could do and help these types of firms find better talent in the United States instead of finding it just in your hometown. Um, and so that's kind of where it blossomed and, and formed was, was Jeff's passion for remote work. And um, here we are. I mean, yes, it's people still want that location and there's definitely a place for that. Um, but it's the options are all there now. So you, it sounds like these were college friends, buddies that, you know, started the company, but it sounds like you've been there since the beginning, you've really not the beginning. Pretty close. Our head of fulfillment, um, Beth, she was there about a year and a half before me, and so that's why we uh, work so well together. And a crazy story for everyone that has met Beth and I: we have only met in person one time. Crazy. And I, and I, are, I love Beth we too. Brain. <laughs> we share a brain. Yeah, we share a brain. So um, it's just pretty crazy. But yes, my um, the, the founders of Accounting Fly were either college buddies or right after a uh, college of mine. And that's how they kind of roped me into this crazy uh, family that we have at Accounting Fly. And it's it's been a world run and, and awesome. But I think much like entrepreneurs, I mean, I know you don't want to call yourself one, but you've had to fulfill almost every role that has come across because for whatever reason, that was the need. And instead of thinking mm -hmm. of yourself, you thought of the company and what does the company need? And you were able to kind of pivot, change and fulfill whatever role that was. And I, I mean, I think that's a tendency of an entrepreneur, but I, I don't know. Well, yeah. And all of our founders, they have their own professions, their own jobs. Like they do not work day to day in accounting fly. And so Really, our executive team is our CEO, Jim Prince, which is amazing, Beth and I, and then our managing editor, Adrian, uh, for Going Concern. That's really our leadership team. Um, so we do. We, we are running the company for the founders. And we do also have a small board that helps us make those advisory, more strategic decisions. So we kind of have some great cookie jars to fill uh, and, and kind of take from where we need it. Well, I think, you know, for our listeners that are listening to this, again, I don't know who listens to this podcast, but I'm sure it's a very diverse uh, clientele. <laughs> but I think the, the main thing is that as an entrepreneur, you would be what we would call like the Julie, you would be the person that the entrepreneur has this idea and they know what they want to do and they just know this idea, but they don't know how to put it all together. And when somebody mm -hmm. can come in and be the facilitator of that, that accelerates the success of that entrepreneur beyond comprehension because the entrepreneur would normally would try to do all this stuff by themselves. And it's just, it takes forever to learn it all. So to find someone like yourself is really, really a key for you entrepreneurs out there that when you can find somebody that has the passion and, and works for the team and wants to be part of, man, that is just like the secret sauce. Just yeah, this is like a drop in a bomb or whatever, like people like if you can find that person that can help you implement and do those things operationally wise, that's it. That's what you need. Yeah, it's definitely having the visionary and integrator working hand in hand together. Um, and sometimes they swap places and that's OK. You don't mm -hmm. always have to stay in one lane. 
it's okay to uh, merge lanes as long as y'all are all merging together. <laughs> but I also, on each other. I also think from talking to you, and that was funny because I was thinking about that as he was talking, and then you kind of took the visionary and integrator out of my right out of my mouth. I <laughs> think you are able to be both. And I think that's what's really set you apart and allowed you to become this, you know, this force to be reckoned with in this industry to be able to be able to have both of those roles and pivot on those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. Uh, sometimes uh, the integrator, the ability to not just do the integration, but be part of the visionary is a, is like the, um, it's like the spicy sauce on top that keeps you interested, keeps you engaged because the operation and stuff kind of just, it is what it is, right? Once you get it set mm-hmm. up and rolling, you're just maintaining it. But when you can grab a new nugget and be part of that and then drop that nugget in and then repurpose around it. I mean, that's, that's what keeps you coming back. I would imagine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I have to, you know, make sure, Whenever we have a new idea, I go into the strict ops mode and I'm like, let's see if this I can execute quickly. If we can figure out a quick execution plan or process within 15 minutes, if we can't figure it out in 15 minutes, at least high level execution of something, we need to back burner, do some more research, figure out if this is really a product or a service that we need to offer. Um and then, and then work it a little bit more. I mean, you have to be able to have, might have a great idea, but it might not be executable in your company and, or you might have not the right people. And that's a lot of other things that I've learned from working hospital system, working in accounting flying and other jobs that I've had is, is sometimes it's not about the position, but it's about the people you currently have and shifting them around to make sure their strengths are being utilized ask them, you know, do you want to move up? Do you want, some people might not want to be a leader anymore. If they're getting older, they might want to take a step down or step over and that's okay. And it's making sure your current team is where they are working best and the most successful and taking care of your own clients before you hire more people on, because then you filled all the gaps with your current strengths. And then you have the gaps that you have left, that's where you find those those right candidates or right new team members to put in those uh, positions. This is all crazy talk. I mean, who asks questions of employees to see what they want and to do and try to match it up? That, that You would be surprised. That doesn't. That just can't be possible. Now, again, a little bit of self-depreciating humor. Uh, the, probably the worst to deal with that would be actual accounting companies and dealing with engineering companies because we are very slow to make changes. I mean, real slow. But when we do and we goes, we, we roll with it. But I think the group that you're with right now, I think they probably are pretty fast movers, right? I think because they think of it in a different way because they're, they're not accountants. They're in that space, but they just know how to make that work, which I think is the key. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, to have this problem solving skill that you have where you are this operations, you know, savant here, how, how did you do that? Did you play sports growing up? Did you a voracious reader? Were you, you know, locked in a room with the Rubik's Cube? Like, how did you learn how to solve these problems and, and see it from a different perspective? She, and, she balanced her checkbook every Sunday. Well, that's that's <laughs> accounting. That's that's something totally different. That's I a different know. skill set. Uh, I think it was being, uh, we had a routine. We had, you know, normal things that we had to do growing up, having an older brother also, cause you want to kind of keep up with them. Um, 
I think it was just a personality thing. I, I never stopped, which I now see because my middle child is pretty much the carbon copy of myself. And I'm like, can you just stop? Just stop for a minute, you know? Um, <laughs> my brother tells me the story. He was like, you were five years old, Liz. I walked out in the garage and you were taking your training wheels off your own bike. And then you just took off and ride and rode it. And I'm like, what? He, I'm like, you didn't stop me. He goes, I just wanted to see if you would actually be able to complete your goal. <laughs> you know, it's just, I think it's just something in me. Something needs to be done. Let's, let's figure it out either well, together or let's just figure it out in my own head. Again, this is a, you know, I, I've uh, dabbled in psychology. I'm totally kidding about that. But, you know, the, the ability to approach a problem with no fear and to just look at it like that's just an obstacle in my way and there has to be no fear. I'm just going to get through that thing. That, that is, again, some people maybe learn it. Some people are born with it, but it sounds like you're probably born with that, huh? Yeah. That, I mean, what's the worst that can happen, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So what do you think? As long as you have a good safety net with you, with your family and your right. friends, you've got that safety net. So what do you think as you've been through this kind of, you know, startup of a business and now, you know, I consider you guys pretty, you're a pretty solid business. Mm -hmm. What do you think you've learned from the founders in regards to, you know, if you could give advice to our listeners, what advice would you give to them that the founders were completely blind on and you brought just this different perception on what was going on? Well, I'd actually flip that around, Julie, and say, I don't think they were blind on it. I think they were spot on the money is they trust us, which a lot of people don't trust their team, owners or founders. And that's where they're slow to hire because they want to keep it themselves and they don't want to delegate and they don't want to let go of things. The other thing that they were they always harp on is they want to hire people that know more than them in this space higher above your own knowledge and your own abilities so you can learn and grow your team, offer more to your clients, offer more to your community. And that's kind of what they've done. So I've actually learned from what they have instilled and how they've hired for our company rather than learning for what not to do, if that makes sense. My, it, uh, are you sure you don't have another side gig going somewhere? Yeah, I think I, I feel like it's only inevitable you're going to be hustling something on eBay. I don't know. You never could, know. Julie, Julie's got ideas, you know. <laughs> you think? <laughs> uh, which of the 300 are you going to go with? Um, yeah. Did you, you know, as you were going through this and trying to figure that out, did you have just somebody like a mentor or somebody that was just saying, uh, besides your college professor, that said maybe you should look in this direction, but did you have somebody that says, said, hey, they took you under their wing and said, this is how you do this. Or is it something you had to figure it out on your own? Uh, oh, I've had many mentors and all for different areas of life, different reasons, different things that I was trying to tackle. You just have to have a wide network of scope and, and be able to know who you need to go to. I don't have one mentor. I don't have two mentors. I have, you know, I would say 40 mentors that I can go to for whatever reason or topic that I need to talk about or whatever. But, um, and then a lot of it's just, I, like you said, I let's just figure it out. Let's just move forward. Like sometimes you got to get out of your own way um, and let those You're people You're taking help a page you or, out of my book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like sometimes you just got to let that fear push to the side and just say, let's, let's see if this works. 
And if it doesn't, then you move on to the next thing and it's okay. You know, it's funny. Um, again, there's a lot, there's a lot of nuggets in this, this particular, um, session here. So thank you for those. But I think one of the big ones is the fact that there are so many people out there that want to support the environment, the, the community of entrepreneurs and, mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs are just scared to ask for whatever the reason is, whatever that fear, like you said, the trust, empowering all those things. But like most people have one or two mentors, you got 40, like you're not scared to ask anybody anything and they're all willing to help. So yep. what's the worst that somebody could say if you ask them, either they're going to say no, or they're going to say yes it's highly unlikely they're going to try to screw you over. They're either going to say yes or no. And if people say yes, mostly entrepreneurs, they're, they're probably want to help, which is crazy. Right. And it just, I don't think people realize that. Well, and people want to help, especially if someone's genuinely coming to you going, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, we've done it with our own clients when we're, you know, looking at our services and just saying, Hey, is this working? You know, what do you guys think? Is there tweaks that we need to make? Um, and that's how we developed, you know, one of our services is actually pulling in existing clients and, and using them as, as mentors for our company saying, okay, you use this. Is it working? Is it not working? Um, and listening to <clears throat> the people that are using your product, whatever it is, you know, if it's a daycare, Hey, parents, is this working? Is this time? You know, I mean, it, there's all kinds of things. It's not just accounting that this issue is in. It's, it's whatever business and entrepreneur that you're on, make sure you're, you know, the needs of your clients. And because if you don't know the needs, how can you make sure your service is actually providing that service? I'm sure that the accounting companies you deal with are very open and transparent and give you tons of feedback all the time. I'm certain of that. I can't help but I gotta (laughs) stop laughing. Some more than others. Some more than others. Um, but it's good though. It makes yeah. you build a better product that people like to use because they either a feel like it they they contributed. Um, I've been on many calls with people that I explain our services and how they work, and they're like, "Wow, that's way different than mm-hmm. you know how we've worked with recruiters in the past." And you know, that's the goal. Like, if it's not working, why would we replicate that service? Right. I, and again, I think that's the the neat thing about, again, when Julie and I talk about what you guys do for us and everything, it's just like, wow, that's a, a whole different way to do this. And again, if I don't give feedback or we don't give feedback, how do you know how to enhance that experience? And it's really weird. Most entrepreneurs are probably, again, scared to ask for that feedback from clients because they're they like, oh my God, what are they really going to tell me? Because they think all the bad right. stuff instead of like, hey, this <laughs> this is a partnership instead of just a, a fee for service type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So something I want to pick your brain on, and I'm guessing this, you know, started mm-hmm. in college and it was in the healthcare and, you know, it's just transi- transitioned into where you are today is how did you learn how to build a team? And at what point in your career I'm guessing early on, did you know that building a team was imperative to the success, not only of yourself, but of the company too? Yeah, I would say young age, because like I always enjoy the group projects in school rather than individual projects. Um, I just liked other people's opinions because I felt like we could make a better project or product or whatever. Um, because you had different angles coming at the same problem or the same task. 
and you can figure it out kind of together, which was always fun. I'm super extroverted. So I like people around me um, all the time. But I think it just kind of came naturally of, I don't want to do this myself. I can figure out bits and pieces of it and then bring it to the team and let's work through it. Um, And then you also have to realize you have those ideas, then you have to break apart and do your piece. And make sure you get it done because you don't want to let the rest of your team down. So uh, I think I built my first team when I worked for um, Baptist Healthcare in Pensacola um, as one of the service line marketing directors. So I worked with not only our marketing team um, handling the service line leaders that we had that you know handle the different um, services within the organization, and also working with the senior team. And working with the media, I mean, I had PR and I was one of the um, chief uh, information officers. And so that was a lot of of ways that you had, you were forced to have a a good team or you couldn't get your work done, especially in a hospital setting with patient, with patient care being on the line. So. And what would your advice be to entrepreneurs who, you know, you've said it, they're, they're terrified to hire, they're terrified to trust, they're terrified to empower and obviously you've learned that from the founders of like, that's what you've enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. What advice would you maybe give an entrepreneur who maybe doesn't <clears throat> have you in their life, but is looking to hire and, you know, what that brings to the table? You need to look inside your business to see if you have that person or you need to look outside of accounting. Sometimes it's okay to ha- hire outside of the accounting industry. I didn't come from the accounting industry. I came from the healthcare industry. I think, Julie, you came from the healthcare industry too. Yes. Um, You bring a new breadth of life into this type of role, maybe not being in the accounting industry because you have other experiences and you've you've experienced other industries and how they do things um, and can, can set your accounting firm or whatever company apart because you brought in that different mindset and ask, ask questions. It doesn't mean you're failing. If you're asking questions, if I've had, you know, I've reached out to people on LinkedIn that I've just said, Hey, I've been following you just had a a random question about how you do something. And sometimes they answer you and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're like, Hey, let's jump on a call. Um, I had one with a, a big firm that we've worked with in the past and um, they brought everything in house, and I just, you know, we struck up a conversation, had a Zoom call, and it was great, you know. And even if nothing comes out of it from a business perspective, you always gain more knowledge and more point of views of how maybe you should handle your clients or talking to people or anything. You just have to make sure you're gaining that positive nugget from it and, and putting it aside for when you need to use it again. I think you're you're probably a unique skill set is in my guesstimation is that when you're talking to a client or a prospective client, what they think they need from an employee is probably not what they really need. And by you digging that deep with them, you try to figure that out and kind of say, hey, you know, you think you need an accountant, but you probably need an operations person or you think you need this, but you need more of a research type person. I think that is probably very welcomed, but probably very uh, humbling for the firm that's asking you to hire for them because they think they need this and you're like, no, you really need that. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about that? Does that happen all the time? Well, that's a, again, a, a group project on that one because, you know, I'm usually the first, the first person that people talk to for accounting fly. And so 
you know, we have those high level discussions of, um, you know, tell me about your firm, what you do. And then it's kind of like, what's your goal for this position? What do you need? The one thing that I really like to talk about are what are your non-negotiables for this position? Like, what are your three, I mean, three things, like I need them to do this. And then the other things I put on a wish list, and you can prioritize those, which many of them do. Um, and so that conversation and that exercise that we ask of our clients really helps them kind of put it into their own perspective, kind of what Julie was talking about. Like sometimes you have to let them have this be their idea and maybe, okay, well, I actually need someone to review and not prep. So I probably don't need a staff tax. I probably need a senior or a manager if that's what I really need. And they kind of figure this out as they're talking, which which helps me too, because I'm I'm still learning. Um, you know, every firm's different. Every firm does something differently and they hire differently and they have different ways of titling jobs and different responsibilities. The other piece of this, when I say it's a group project, is Beth, my Beth, my counterpart, she runs the recruiting team. And she gets all of our new clients next as kind of like an onboarding call. And that's another another touch point to where she gets down into the very the very nuts and bolts and details of what this person is looking for in this role. And sometimes the decision or the switch happens at that point uh, because they thought about it. They've done the exercise I've asked them to do. And then Beth has that way with people, Julie knows, um, of, of you know guiding them into what, really what's going to help their firm. And sometimes we just don't know because we're not inserted into the exact firm. We only know one side of it for who we're talking to. And sometimes that's learned when you get somebody in there and they go, actually, we move them to a different position after interviewing them. So, so I think the we've talked about, you know, the company that you had accounting plan and how you go talk to your clients on one side, which is who's doing the hiring. How do you go mm-hmm. out and find your your stable, your your uh, your bench of all these candidates? How do you get those candidates to trust you that you're going to get them what they want. How do you, you know, there's so many different sites to put on your resume and do all those things. There's lots of dating apps. How do you get them on your dating app where they feel like this is the one where their needs are going to be met? How do you show them that their goals are going to be made matched there? And that one's a tough one, you know, because we only have so many clients and so many jobs. Um, You know, we are very much, um, our passion is remote work. So a lot of clients and candidates come to us because that is our passion is remote. Um, candidates, this is a, a candidate market right now. We all know that it's hard to hire. Um, and the majority of them want that flexibility of remote, but they also want the culture and the flexibility and working for a good firm. So I think a lot of ours is word of mouth um, from candidates. We had, oh, so-and-so got hired by you guys and they love their job. And, and so word of mouth is always huge for us. I think it's probably one of our largest uh, referral sources and word of mouth for clients and candidates, which is the gold. It's the creme de la creme. Like when you come from a marketing uh, perspective, I'm like, when that's your highest, that is, you can't get any better than word of mouth being your highest referral, uh, bucket. But we do the traditional marketing. We do the traditional uh, sourcing um, and all of that content piece. Uh, so it's kind of a little bit of everything. But I think once they talk to our team and they have that initial screening interview, they really see and understand that 
we care about them and we might not have a position for you right now that's open, but we keep you in the loop and we keep you in our network. And our team's really good about keeping up with certain candidates that have, you know, CPAs or knowing that's something that we are going to be able to place and find them a really good home. I mean, I think it's like a couple of times a week, Beth goes, oh my gosh, I just talked to a candidate and I love them. We have to find them a job. You know, um, she takes it very personally and it's kind of, she's, she's a mo- our mama bear, you know, she takes it in and she's like, we've got to find these people wonderful places to work. So, and it's my job to go find those places and get those clients so we can service them by putting these great candidates that we have into their teams. So it's like in a dating app, you put people together and then you go to their wedding. So when you hook people up for this, <laughs> what what is the big uh, apex event that's like, hey, we all, we joined you guys now and we're here. Do you have like a big reception or is it just a high five and good luck and we're here to help? <laughs> I'm just curious. It's a high, yeah, it's a slack high five. Um, nice. And, but uh, the best part is when we have a client come back and they go, you know, Jim's still with us and we love him and we hired him with you guys three years ago. You know, and we want another one just like him. Like that's that's what we all and always want is so and so still with us. You hired him; he's our best employee, um, and we just need to keep hiring. So when we have those long term clients that just keep coming back to us, that's when we know we're doing something right. So I think one of the big fears or realities, or however that looks like, as a business owner that is going to hire a remote worker, how does one prevent that remote worker from not, from being like co-employed, like they'll work two jobs and milk it, and also to put their, to give you the effort that one would expect if you're sitting there watching them versus their remote, how do you, how do you navigate that to share to the owner like, hey, this person's solid. They're going to give you more than you've even asked for because they're not driving in. They're not dealing with stupid meetings. They're not co-employment. How do you make sure that that is, I mean, you can't have a total safeguard, but how do you communicate that where that owner feels comfortable with that? It's unfortunately not 100% for sure. I mean, we can't control anybody. You know, We can only control what our processes are, but you know, it's something that our recruiting team that Beth leads, she's gotten very good at training her team to ask the right questions of the candidates and knowing their experience and knowing their, it's really technology at this point to make sure that they understand how to work within this technology as a remote employee, because when they're not, they're not going to be the best remote employee. They're just, it's just, you can't be a remote employee and not be tech savvy. Um, A lot of things that, do help or, or like workflow workflow softwares and stuff like that to where you can really see what the candidate's doing. And when they have that experience with like a Carbon or a Firm 360 or something along those lines, um, you can see that they're working. You can see that, that things are getting done. Everything's being successful. Um, with the double uh, job thing, I always recommend you getting them to sign a contract, especially if they're full-time. Um, to sign a contract that they won't moonlight or if they will, um, it has to be approved by the company. Um, that's a safeguard. It's not an end all, um, you know, because people are people, you know, um, but at least that kind of gives you a safeguard as a company. So if you find out about it, you, you can have decisions to make and you, you've got the, the documentation to, to uh, handle it. But all in all, usually people are, are I, I try to, 
think that they're good and they, mm-hmm. and they want to do the right thing and they want to be fair to not only us as the recruiters, but their new employer. So, you know, sometimes you have those people that make a bad name for recruiters because they fall short, not the recruiters fall short. But, but I also think, you know, to your point is if the owner is terrified of that, they may not have the right processes and accountability in place in order to execute a remote worker. And I think that is really, really important, you know, in any industry that you're looking at, if you're Mm -hmm. looking to go remote and you're looking, you know, to do that is what, you know, I don't know that I can necessarily, you can blame the future employee, but what have you done internally to create those checks and balances so you're safeguarding yourself? And I think sometimes people are looking externally, wanting to place the blame. And sometimes you got to look internal and like, what are you going to do to make sure that doesn't happen? Right. And that's where we have partners with consultants that are in this area that if someone comes to us and they go, I can't find anybody locally, so I guess I'll hire someone remote. That's a flag for me to go, let me introduce you to some people um, that can help you formulate these remote policies and formulate your process and do all of these things so you're ready when you hire remote it's successful because if you hire a remote employee and they might be in a great employee they're going to quit because the firm does not have their stuff together and that happens more than you know we would like for it to happen because they need these they need this team. They need to be able to service their clients. They need the, this expertise, but they don't have their house in order to be able to invite those remote employees into it yet. Yeah, that would be like insert operations person here to make that happen because the typical <laughs> entrepreneur is just like, yeah, let's bring somebody in remote and let's just roll with it. They, they don't have no, they don't have any idea. I think an, another piece that's probably um, unique when you're doing the remote employees and and things of that nature is how do you know like do you trust somebody right away and give them a chance to screw you over immediately so you know or do you spoon feed it where they're going to hit you harder later and i think from some of the guests we have you trust them right away because you're going to know right away what the situation is and i think that's probably the best thing as an entrepreneur you know don't be an idiot but you know put it out there and give them the opportunity to do you wrong so you know. And if they don't do you wrong, then they're probably going to be okay. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. I mean, you have to set them up for success, though. You can't just throw throw the laptop at them and say, here you go. I trust you with whatever you're doing. You know, you have to be able to have onboarding and training and everything put into line. Have a work buddy, you know, have something to where they feel like they're cared for because they don't have an office they can physically walk or, you know, around the corner or across the hall to, to ask a question, you have to open up those barriers and make sure they can slack or message somebody, you know, if they have a question, um, it's kind of like what I talked about with mentors. It's like, you have to be able to put whatever fear you have down and ask the questions, but also the entrepreneur needs to understand this person's new. They might, they might be a CPA and a tax person in another firm, but your processes and your team and everything is new to them. Um, and they don't live there and that's okay. It can all work out if you have your, your house in order and you have the onboarding and the, everyone's on the same page that somebody's starting. Everyone be alert. Everyone, you know, touch base with this person, have it agenda, 
have like, this is when you're going to talk to everybody. So if you have questions, you know who to go to and you have that relationship already built. You know, that's funny is we hired a remote employee recently and I created this whole agenda, like literally minute by minute of what was going to happen. And before I sent it out, I called a mentor and I said, I'm about to send this out. Am I going to be crazy? Am I going to be like, as soon as I send this out, like, hey, lunatic, alert, alert, alert. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think you're providing when you do things like that, you're setting them up for success because you are you are setting that expectation, not only for your current team, but the person coming into your team. And that creates like they're not awkwardly waiting around. And those people aren't awkwardly like, well, who's the new like you're I don't want to say forcing, but like they're completely providing structure and you're completely immersed (laughs) immediately. Well, I think. Everything you just mentioned, Liz, like as an entrepreneur type person, that stuff doesn't come into my head. Like I can't even, I'm like, all that? Oh my God, how do you even do that? So all you entrepreneurs listening out here, the investment in somebody to do this for you is crucial because you're just, entrepreneurs are just not programmed that way. The operations is so different than the vision and what you're trying to accomplish. So the shortcut here is, invest in that person that that believes and can do these things because there's no way that that's on my radar as a list. Now, I know that's on Julie's list and that's why we work well together, but there's just no way I'm going to think of those things. Um, mm-hmm. One of the cool questions I'd like to ask is, you know, who's your like dream client? Like if you're like, you've been trying to get this, this, uh, you know. You can't um, say Glenn. Yeah, I mean, you already <laughs> got us. Can't so, say Harper. But, but if you wouldn't, <laughs> yeah, I know I would be. But no, uh, who, who do you out there that you've been just hitting on forever and you're like, man, if I could just get them on my stable, I know I could help them so much. Do you have people like that or is it just as they come along? I don't have a wish list, if that makes sense, because just because what you see on their website or whatever, it might be completely different about how the firm is. I usually get the temperature of a firm from the first call that I have had with them to know if they're going to, I think going to be a successful uh, partnership with us or maybe not. Um, yeah, It's that intuitive nature that you're kind of like, okay, this person's ready to hire a remote. They're, they're asking the right questions. They're even if they don't know, they don't have it. At least they're asking the questions of how do I integrate this person into our current team? And, or yes, I'll, I want that information from that consultant that you guys work with and that you are putting your stamp of approval on and they, and they go forward with that. And then they come back around and go, I did that with them. I have all this stuff in place. Thank you so much. Let's get going on, on the, um, you know, recruiting piece. That's my golden client. The one that opens up and says, these are my problems. This is what's going on. I'm open and want to hear your advice and I will do it to make sure I'm successful. When you called called us, did, did you immediately go, Julie, nerd alert? Or did you go, oh my gosh, this is the perfect scenario? Uh, I was like, am I talking to myself? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. So, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, listening to this again, we're, we're talking in the accounting space and from, but it's the same concept across the board. It doesn't yeah. matter the industry. Yes. It doesn't matter anything. So we just happen to know this space very well. So that's why we can make fun of myself. Um, but th- this is the kind of thing you want to be looking for as you expand on what you're trying to grow and develop your business is the people that can really help you that you don't even think they can. You just maybe have more awareness of that. 
So yeah. I, I have one last question. And again, I want to thank you. You are a very busy lady and you've taken you know a lot of time here to give our listeners great things. But yeah. one more question is, what is your superpower? Ooh, I would say seeing the inefficiencies somewhere and trying to fix them, which gets me in trouble and also helps me in my life. Um, I have to know my lane and not over overstep because sometimes, I mean, I'll be at the school or something and someone says something, I'm like, you know what you could do? And my husband's like, this is not your thing. This is not your thing. Uh-huh. Or he'll tell me something in his work. And I'm like, Ooh, especially cause he's in healthcare. So I go back to my roots and I'm like, well, you know, it should be like this, this. And he's just like, you're not the COO of our practice, you know? So, um, I have to sometimes watch that superpower, I guess, um, because sometimes you don't want to overstep or step on others um, by thinking that you have the solution, but also uh, curtailing it to be, hey, I want to help. And here are some things that I've learned in my past that could help you and leave it more of an advice instead of a to-do list for them because we're all busy. So it sounds like and when we're talking about staying in your lane, you're probably on the eight lane superhighway swerving all over and eventually construction makes you go to one lane and then you nail it. Is that a fair statement? Well, I really appreciate you, Julian. I do appreciate you being on the show. And if you want to throw out a plug of some sort, I'm sure people would love to hear it. And and from what I understand, Liz has plenty of time so she can engage with all kinds of people out there. So just reach out to her. She'll help you out. Yep. At Accounting Fly. I'm Liz at accountingfly.com. Feel free to email me. Um, love to talk to anybody. So we don't just hire for CPA firms, do we? hire for internal uh, accounting teams of all um, different companies. So any, any accounting or finance hiring that you need to do, that's kind of where we are. Well, thank you, Liz. You are awesome. And to all our <laughs> listeners out there, another winner. So Well, I hope she comes over to the entrepreneur world someday. Oh, she's there. She just doesn't even know it yet. But it's only a matter of time. (laughs) Destiny awaits, young lady. Well, Julia, thank you. another great show. Uh, This is Glenn Harper signing off. Julie Smith. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.